Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Coffee with Kathy and Claire. I'm Kathy, and I'm Claire, and this podcast is all about sharing our own personal experiences and struggles with modern day parenting, and having a few laughs along the way. This show is for everyone: mums, dads, grandparents, foster parents, adoptees, everyone. It's an outlet for all your struggles and to know that you are not alone. So pop us on your Bluetooth in your car, headphones in while you're going for a walk or do what I do and wear headphones while I tackle that never-ending pile of laundry. Or just take the load off and have a coffee with Kathy and Claire. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Kathy and Claire. And as promised, I am back with the lovely April Kane. And we're following on from our really cool episode last year when we were talking really about kind of what the symptoms were and um, not symptoms. I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. is it? Is it symptoms? Characteristics. Characteristics, traits, traits yeah. of, of ADHD. Um, and so uh, April is a clinical psychologist and has primarily she she works with adults you work with adults and mm-hmm. their diagnosis of ADHD mm-hmm. and so in this in this episode um we'll start off with the first question I'm um, following from last week's episode on the diagnosis and that process for ADHD when you are diagnosing like what criteria is used and how we kind of touch based on the different type of things that can maybe mimic ADHD, mm. which mm-hmm. is obviously anxiety, depression, all of these types of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, walk us a little bit through that that process. Sure, so <clears throat> um, when we think about um, assessing for and diagnosing ADHD, basically we are um, looking at a number of diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. that are outlined in the what's called the DSM-5, which is a Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the like the, the diagnostic Bible, for want of a better word, yeah. right, used by health professionals, okay. psychologists, psychiatrists. And um, all the sort of, all the currently recognised um, psychological conditions are, are in there. Yeah. Um, and ADHD being one of them. And there are um, a number of diagnostic um, criteria. Don't have to meet every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, some of the criteria describe what um, the what the issues can look like. Yeah. So just to be clear, um, there's sort of th- three subtypes of, of ADHD. So you can have the inattentive subtype. Yeah the hyperactive impulsive subtype or um, combined type, which is a bit of both. You know, I think about that taco girl. What was she saying? Like, why not both? Um, So the inattentive symptoms are things like um, difficulty paying attention to details, um, trouble sustaining attention um, on what it needs to be focused on, um, does not appear to listen. So, so... um, they can seem sort of a bit preoccupied in their own mind. They're not, you know, you might call someone's name and they're not kind of not using their listening ears. Yeah, right? it's kind of like, um, I'll, if I'm right and I'll ask you the question, like being in their own bubble. Yeah, in their own world, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Um, bit, maybe a bit dreamy, preoccupied, yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't um, or has trouble sort of following through with in, on instructions. Mm-hmm. 
um, difficulty organising tasks uh, or avoiding tasks or activities that require sustained mental effort and yeah. um, mental attention. So like homework or a, a big, uh, like a big project or, yeah. yeah. And would that be along the lines of something also that maybe just doesn't interest them? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, whereas you can be hyper-focused as well, I'm presuming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like quite the opposite. So we are, it's an interest driven, we, mm-hmm. we have interest driven brains and our yep. brains are essentially like wired structurally and chemically to pay attention to the things that interest us and, yeah. and, and give us that sort of internal motivation. Um, so if it's something that, you know, you, you might find like, for example, with kids, they might hate to do their math homework. Yep. That's a real struggle big challenge to get them to engage in or in doing that but then they might really really enjoy writing stories mm-hmm. so english homework's not not as big of an issue does that make sense yeah it does make a lot of sense yeah. what about little things like i'm just asking because i'm sure there's probably a lot of listeners that could resonate with this um little tasks like getting in the bath mm-hmm. brushing the teeth mm-hmm. um putting the shoes away like just and and water especially which is interesting because it's like once you get them in how do you get them out? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? These that, sorts of things. Yeah, and that's probably also something to do with getting them to shift their attention or focus from what it is that they're currently doing yeah. and trying to get them to switch it to something else. So that can be, okay. that can feel quite painful, yeah. essentially. Like um, a physical feeling of painful, even. Um, I would call it like a mentally... Mental pain. Mental pain. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and not like a pain as in like a frustration or an emotional pain like oh because so for me for example if if i'm in the middle of doing something yeah um and someone interrupts me or i'm asked to go do something it can be like a real because i don't i know that i'm it's i know that i'm likely to struggle to come back to it to pick it up to figure out where i was when i left off um and it may have been something that I've been like gearing myself up to do for a long time and yeah. finally I'm doing it and I'm in the middle of it and I and I'm forced you know maybe to switch my attention mm-hmm. away um there's like losing things becoming easily distracted and um being quite sort of forgetful in in daily activities mm-hmm. um so that's the inattentive subtype and then the hyperactive impulsive subtype um refers to things like um being quite fidgety or squirm, yeah. you know squirmy movement seeking essentially yeah. um um having trouble remaining seated in in situations or contexts where that's expected of you like in a classroom or yeah. at the movies or in a meeting that's boring or um th- those kinds of those kinds of scenarios and environments um feeling restless so yeah whether that's expressed physically and behaviorally or whether it's just like an internal sense of, of restlessness and internal hyperactivity, yeah. um, difficulty or, or, or struggling to do um, it's like leisure activities or struggling to do things quietly. Yeah. So maybe like... Being a foghorn. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or having trouble relaxing or not being able to, you know, stop yourself from like talking through a TV show or a movie or um, just maybe o- narrating what you're doing as you're doing it. <laughs> In your head or out, like loud. out loud? Okay. Or, yeah. um, going back to like watching the not being able to stop talking through a movie or, or a show, just mm. where you mentioned that one, would that be 
if you're not too interested in it because the other side could be the hyper focus where yeah. if somebody starts talking through that show and you could be agitated because <laughs> of that talking yeah. so it works both ways yeah uh-huh. yeah so it's not uh, yeah and something else that I'll, I'll talk about is the way that these symptoms are expressed is it can be quite inconsistent mm-hmm. so it's not always the same right um yeah so um other other um sort of characteristics and traits would be like sort of this sense of being always in the go um mm-hmm. you know the wording in the diagnostic criteria is like um, driven by a motor right which some people can relate to and others can't mm. um so um you might describe yourself as just sort of being very busy always being always doing rather than than being okay if that makes sense so if i was to put this to you then um being what's the word for it i can't think of the word it begins with f like fluffy not fluffy fluffy like kind of around yeah like or... faffing yeah, yeah you're a very a big faffer because i'm a huge faffer mm, would be. that be something that could potentially you know if you was doing a diagnosis you'd be like oh she's faffing over that like you know yeah. that is that something that yeah that you would use in terms of a diagnosis yeah so in, in the context, it, you know, depending on the mm. context and, and looking at the whole sort of um, constellation yeah. of, of characteristics and traits that, that were being identified, yeah. yes. Obviously that can also be due to other things or just be how somebody is. Mm. Just because you're sort of displaying, you know, a couple of symptoms or traits some of the time doesn't necessarily mean that that you, you'd meet diagnostic criteria. Right, right? okay. Um there's um, talk talk successively. So we, we, <laughs> we were talking about this before about you know um, having have, needing to use a lot. Of, I'm doing it right now. Needing to use a lot of words yeah. to get your point across. Um, maybe like cutting in, interrupting, yeah. finishing other people's sentences. Um, but just like maybe like talking, 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 being quite tangential. Yeah, um, that's one of the the criteria. So um, like a verbal impulsivity. Um, difficulty waiting yeah so feeling um someone who might present as like quite um, impatient and whether that's yeah. ex- expressed outside or whether it's just the internal like oh i wish it's hurrying up that's really interesting actually you say that because i'm just going to give you um something that happens to me mm-hmm. i feel like on the big things i'm very patient mm. very patient on a big thing but put me in a queue let's say for example i'm in myers and Mm -hmm. i I use myers as an example because it did actually happen once and there was two checkout girls just having a casual chat Mm -hmm. completely ignoring anybody who wanted Mm -hmm. to get served so that sort of thing will will really infuriate me and bring my patience to the point of like oh i've got a queue or i will just not go in a queue Mm -hmm. like i will just be like nope there's a queue there sod that if i go to a theme park it's like i'm not going to ruin my day so I'm buying the queue jump passes, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing yeah. would bug me. My patience is short. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking it from an ADHD perspective. Mm-hmm. My patience is not short when it comes to working out solutions to things that are big issues. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes complete sense because mm. let, let's, t- to, and then, you know, you've said you're not, formally diagnosed yeah. but you suspected that, that this could be a thing for you yeah definitely but so assuming that you you do right um just for hypothetically mm-hmm. what you're talking about is is some of the strengths so 
one of the things that I want to, um, I guess, mention, I think it's really important yeah. to mention is Please do, that yeah. all of the diagnostic criteria are like um, deficit-based. Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. it's all the negative stuff. Yeah. So what, you know, tends to sort of be the case is that there's there's this real um, skewed view. Yeah. Uh, like a, a stigma. A stigma, absolutely, about what ADHD is, yeah. what it looks like. Um, and, and how it's experienced and without I mean this is sort of changing the conversation is changing yeah which is really positive um, but there's much less um, out there that's about what are the benefits of having a brain that's wired this way right. a brain that's impulsive and that's interest-seeking um, you know some of the benefits are like we can be amazing problem solvers because we think right. outside the box okay. we have great we can tend to have a great pattern recognition which helps with um, like generating ideas and problem solving things um, we are super creative so whether that's artistically or whether that's with ideas mm. with um, you know other forms of creativity yeah. right also like big picture thinkers so is, does that make sense yeah it does make a lot of you, sense you asked and how you're relating to that a hundred percent and I think um, you know we've we've had a conversation before about like being curious and things like that so mm. yeah there's there's lots of um stigma that puts adhd in a bad light mm. but the diagnosis of an adhd brain mm. is actually quite beautiful when you think about it in a bigger picture absolutely and and i think one of the reasons that i work with adults around this yeah. is because um you know what i what i find with adults who are newly seeking diagnosis and they're yeah. not then they've gone all the way through their childhood adolescence early yeah. adulthood and and you know whatever age they are now and i've assessed um adults between the ages of like oh, like 19 through to you know in their mid 60s okay right? as high as mid 60s yeah so that's very yeah. interesting yeah. yeah where they have gone through their whole life not knowing this very fundamentally important thing about themselves mm, and about the way they function and about the way they can thrive yeah so our world is built and designed as essentially for the neurotypical neuronormative population mm, yeah. and it's very difficult for people who are neurodivergent or have adhd or other neurodivergencies to, to fit yeah. and to feel like we are truly like we truly fit and belong and can be successful and thrive and success in many different contexts and yeah. however that is defined by the person but just have this feeling of or this sense of like not quite getting it not quite fitting yeah but then to have this new lens through which to view yourself mm -hmm. can be incredibly profound and liberating and liberating um and and increase the sense of self-compassion which and I love compassion. You do, right? <laughs> and, and just like give yourself context through which to understand, through which to understand yourself from a different perspective, right? Yeah. So, is it okay if I um, divert a little bit? Yeah. So please do. Yeah, divert. Just to share something. Um, so my own personal yeah, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love right. that. So I'm I'm 42. You look um, great, by the way. <laughs> just to divert myself baby face <laughs> you do um so i was diagnosed when i was 40 right 
but I sort of started suspecting or not even suspecting but like initially wondering Mm -hmm. could I have ADHD about four years so like in my mid-30s okay yeah and already sort of was working as a psychologist yeah and I met this this guy was referred to me um to the practice I was working at by his GP and the GP and this is sort of also relevant to our later conversation yeah um the GP had written on the referral something like you know thanks for seeing this person for um uh, opinion and management of question mark ADHD slash anxiety okay. question mark yeah right and this is an adult a young adult male yeah um who was studying and having a lot of trouble getting through his studies and and having a lot of um difficulties in other areas of his life yeah and I said to him look sorry I don't at that point like I didn't know a lot about ADHD yeah oh Sorry. <laughs> um, didn't know a lot about ADHD. Um, I said, look, I can't, so I can't assess you yeah. um, formally or diagnose you. I said, but what we can do is we could do like a screening thing together yeah. and see if it's worth you sort of following up um, with, with an, either a psychiatrist or whatever the pathways are for yeah. diagnosis, which at that point I was completely unaware of. And so I'm going through this screening questionnaire with this guy um, and mentally ticking off <laughs> these boxes, going, well, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then, but then I was like, oh, could this be what's going on for me? Anyway, you know, wondered about it, mentioned it sort of off the cuff to a girlfriend of mine who yeah. was also a clinical psych. We went to uni together. Okay, and yeah. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, this beautiful human. She's always very, um, just always supportive, but... So anyway, I started to wonder about it, but I also started to like, I also second guessed myself, right? Because of all of these. So I guess to me, what I was thinking and what I was hoping at that point was like, well, maybe this would explain why I have so much, why I seem to have so much trouble. Like I struggled all the way through uni, like just to get an assignment done on time. Why yeah. do I leave it to the very, like, the last minute the night before? Or, Guilty. You know, like, yeah. a, a, and it sounds like, oh, well, who cares? Like, big deal. Um, but it wasn't comfortable. Like, it's not comfortable mm-hmm. living my life that way because it would create so, like, so much stress in my body. It, and I'd feel, you know, I'd be beating myself up about it every time. Like, why do I do this every yep. time? I'm such an idiot. You know, all of these things. So why do I struggle with that kind of thing why do I procrastinate why can't I ever be organized why do I always forget to pay bills on time yeah why don't I follow through on things or I'll start things and not finish them just all of this this constellation of stuff that was going on for me that the way that I'd made sense of it the story that I told myself about who I was and what I was capable of was that I'm just lazy and I'm unmotivated and I'm um I'm just hopeless or I'm bad at adulting and all of these things right (laughs) so it really impacted my sense of self and self-concept and then anyway like through through those over that time over that sort of four years where I continued to wonder about it and then like I'd sort of take some steps towards thinking oh this could be true and then sort of I'd back away from it because I essentially gaslighting myself and saying no you don't have you know very this very stereotypical understanding of, yeah. of what it looks like um you know you weren't in trouble at school you did well at school like I, I did like good at school but 
you know, probably I could have done better was always yeah. the comments like, oh, if she just applied herself or if she could get things done on time, you know. Yeah. So I was like a good student, but this sense of like, I just wasn't applying myself, essentially. Yeah. The, the thought was like, well, because I was lazy or I had other priorities. You I know? see what you're saying, yeah. So, um, whereas there's, I think there's this view that, um, that, that it's it coupled with difficulty academically which absolutely it can be but not necessarily right because yeah. it's not actually anything to do with intelligence that's right and i yeah. think that's you know just if you don't mind interrupting yeah. i think that's probably what a lot of people get stuck on mm. but i can focus at school yeah i'm good at school yeah mm. so that's really interesting yeah. yeah yeah so then like to come to a place where there was sort of a bunch of things that sort of happened around this particular time in my life and i essentially decided like well i've got to know one way or the other yeah um i'd had this conversation with a, a mentor a, um professionally she's someone that I see for um, clinical supervision and I'd said to her I was like oh I think I I could have ADHD and she said well have you been assessed and I said no she and she's like well why not and I said well I teared up and I said well because I'm afraid of what it would mean if I'm not so like if I if I were to be assessed formally and was told that I don't have ADHD then that would, I guess, my my mind was sort of going. Well, then the stories that I've been telling myself, yeah, about how competent I am, how capable I am, yeah, you know, how good I am mm-hmm. or not good, um, would be true, right. and I and then I'd be left with, well, you know, would I be left with that was that? your fear? That was my fear, oh. but obviously, like. That's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of these stories that we gather and that we believe about ourselves are not necessarily true anyway. That's very but true. But that was the fear that that, that sort of like um, paralysed me from moving forward. But so then to to receive, like to go through that process and receive um, that confirmation, that validation was one of the most profound experiences of, in my life. It was like this immediate... Um, relief you know I had such a different way to understand um yes understand myself understand the way that I function and you know and and you talk like talk later about well what does that mean about you know what my needs are yeah and what support do I need and how can I function better and yeah you know what works and what doesn't so just like I think no matter what age you are like it's it's it can be such a, a freeing and relieving um, and meaningful, significant experience and sort of allow you to start this whole other chapter and, and way of being in the world. Yeah, then, and the journey yeah. and the journey. And thank you for sharing that because that was raw and, and um, you know, your own personal experience. So I'm mm. really appreciative of you, of you doing that because, you mm. know, this is what the podcast is about, about, you know, your own truth and everything. Mm. So I love that you've you've been real true about that. And the diagnosis that you went through. And mm. if there is anybody out there, even like myself, like I can get a diagnosis. Mm. But it's what you were saying, you know, what do you do with that? Because this is a good thing if you get a diagnosis. Where does mm. that go for you? Yeah. And so it was really kind of you to, to be so open about that. Yeah. I appreciate oh, it. You're welcome. And actually, I can't even remember why I said <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, because, you know, you asked, it, oh, you asked a question about, 
um, the diagnostic process. And yes. Well, maybe we start with the, the with what you went criteria first. Yes. I've talked about the different criteria. I don't even know how I got into that. There's my <laughs> little ADHD mind at work. But I suppose it's more the the, the diagnosis in terms of um, the processes. You know, mm. um, is that they have to, like you've just said what you went through, mm. um, and then when it's it's not a one stop shop though is it is what you're mm, saying yeah there's it's complex and it's nuanced um, and yeah 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 because if you listen to all of those diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. right um sometimes so if if someone were just to look at the diagnostic criteria yeah. and and sort of tick and flick they might not they might not actually relate to the way that some of those things are described yeah like doesn't listen when spoken to or or um yeah sort of um, is there a human alive that's got a personality that doesn't tick all of them boxes in in all honesty you know yeah yeah so the other part to the diagnostic criteria is that that um not only is it sort of are you ticking a certain number of these boxes so there's a threshold um, so just like one or two, that's that's not enough to meet diagnostic criteria. Yeah. So there's a certain number that's a threshold on each of the the two um, sort of subsets of of characteristics: the the inattentive and then the, the hyperactive impulsive symptoms. Yeah. Um, and then the next part is it's that that it causes impairment. Right. Okay. Right. So it causes some dysfunction. Yep. Um, and that. Uh, that dysfunction or that impairment shows up across a number of contexts. In, in So not, for example, for a child, not just at school yeah. or for, you know, an adult um, woman, not just at home or not just at work, right? Yeah. It's got to be across a, a few different contexts. So um, home, work, yeah. you know, study or school, um, self-concept, uh-huh. social... Um, there's layers. Know, there's lots of layers, and and um, the sim- that the symptoms also are not new. They're not, um, you know, they've got to have been present for at least six months consistently. Okay. They're consistently, not. They're not. Yeah. Um, you know, related to an episode or a situational context. So uh, okay, yeah. You know, like if if you were to sort of um, have some sort of trauma or. Mm-hmm. Um, you lost your job or something like that, of course you're probably going to struggle with motivation. Like a death and, you know, or yeah, yeah. a grief of some sort. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. there's there's contexts in which, um, you know, if, if the, the characteristics or the, the traits, symptoms have, have appeared um, because of or like directly as a, as a, as a um, in relation to a, a situational context, yes. then... A, a, and that's sort of very clearly delineated, then there's probably not enough evidence to show that that's that that this is um, it like brain wiring. It's more likely um, a, a response or re- reaction to something that's happened in your life. Yeah. Although I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, that we can quite often be trundling along quite nicely quite well and then something will change in our environment and we might start to struggle more yeah that doesn't that doesn't mean that they're um what am i trying to say 
So sometimes our, our symptoms or our characteristics traits become bigger or more exacerbated yep. or more dysfunctional because of something that's happened. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not true. So I'm always looking at sort of the, the bigger, broader context. Yeah. We also, one of the diagnostic criteria that, that has to be sort of checked off is that, that there's evidence that, that, that at least some of these characteristics were present in childhood. In childhood, right. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I guess, what would make... I mean, I'm going to dive out a little bit here and give you mm. a little bit of my own story yeah. and I'll, I'll try and keep it a bit shorter but like for example I lost my mum at a young age that's been made quite clear on this podcast um I was uh, nine and um so in terms of like my childhood they're probably if I did say for example have ADHD I would have more than likely had a lot of excuses made for me because of that trauma and because of that loss of my own parent and also Mm -hmm. as well perhaps the symptoms would be masked in some way would that be possible yes yeah it absolutely is yeah yeah and so um quite often and especially little girls what what we could notice is that um any characteristics traits symptoms that are showing up when they're younger Mm. may be explained by a way as in your situation may be explained by something else that's happened oh Mm -hmm. well but Claire's lost her mum and so it makes sense that she's having trouble focusing in yeah. class and that she's, you know, um, you know, loses her temper, whatever it was that it looked yeah. like for you, right? But but at the same time, um, even when that sort of thing's not happened, there's no other kind of extenuating or external yeah. or environmental circumstances to explain to explain away the symptoms. Yeah. Um, as little people and especially as girls, we learn to mask as in like to conform to fit in you know we think about societal expectations of females and you know the in terms of like the patriarchy and that's a whole part of a bigger conversation yeah but we are conditioned to um be good be quiet you know so what i mean on that i'm going to ask you a question do you think that the the diagnosis of adhd and the complications that come with it and the challenges are much more predominant in men. Like, for example, let's say social aspects, they might not be able to control their impulses, say, as much as because of what you've just said then, whereas a woman can turn around and be like, I won't say that, or can control it a little bit more because they know maybe have empathy or can don't want to upset that person, whereas boys are wired a little differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that could be part of it. Um, a lot of women that I speak to when we're doing their assessment, um, mm. t- we talk about, oh, you know, like, did you call out in class or did you, um, yeah. you know, what did it look like? Um, or for a, a really common sort of a common thread that I hear is, oh, God, no, I would never have thought of doing that. I did, was like terrified of getting in trouble. I yeah. didn't want to be, I didn't want to stick out, stand out, right? Oh, so okay. kind of learn to be small. You yeah. know, you think about how to s- describe, you know, like good little girls, you know, sit still on the mat, are quiet, they don't call out, they put their yeah. hands up, they wait their turn. So all of these things that are sort of conditioned to be like good, yeah. in inverted commas, kind mm-hmm. of contributes to this sense of masking or like keeping small, keeping everything contained. The other thing that we know particularly about females is that, um, and this is where there's, you know, some changes in, in terms of how we think about the diagnostic criteria yeah. and being more nuanced and, and more um, 
in I guess intuitive reading between the lines yes. of, of each of those criteria yeah. is um, we know that particularly for females our the expression of our of our characteristics and traits our ADHD um, tends to especially if it wasn't causing impairment or dysfunction when we were younger so for example I probably would have met lots of the criteria probably enough of them when yeah. I was younger but didn't cause enough dysfunction does that make sense yes, so does, I wouldn't yeah. have ticked that box yeah. in the criteria so I would not have met diagnostic criteria but our hormones um, fluctuate so we know that estrogen yeah. has a really big impact on the expression of ADHD characteristics and traits yeah um, as we go through life transitions and hormonal transitions like adolescence you and know, then you know and then menopause and yeah menopause even like um um post postnatally right yeah, and then peri perimenopause yeah. mm -hmm. so not only do our symptoms so for those of us who have ahd no not only do our symptoms fluctuate over the course of our monthly cycle but yes. also, whoops, also, over, sorry, also, I'm talking with my hands, so I've knocked the microphone. <laughs> also, over the course of our lifetime, our symptom expression so changes. And add to that, as we get older um, and enter sort of early adulthood, the demands externally that are placed on mm. us, it, it really becomes this, um, this balancer of like where the demand exceeds the capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when the external demand is greater than what we have the capacity for, what we have the, the um, executive functioning for, so it's an, uh, part, parts or skill, skills that essentially are, are um, impacted negatively by ADHD wiring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when externally the demands, uh, you know, exceed the capacity to cope, that's when we sort of like start to come unraveled. And this is why we see... At the, I believe this is why we're seeing at the moment so many Diagnosis. women yeah, seeking diagnosis. It's so interesting when you said about that regulation and things like that because I've just literally got took back to like a couple of episodes where they probably wasn't that big a thing but with the loss of like, um, you know, my mum and then perhaps if I've been betrayed by mm -hmm. a boyfriend at the time, mm -hmm. like the intensity of what that felt like for me. Yeah. I cannot explain it. I'm not sure if it's normal because obviously I don't know what anybody else feels. That's but I do normal. feel I do feel as though that combined with potentially an ADHD to not be able to regulate the the, the emotion mm. um because in the moment there's been a couple of occasions where I've just been like I've actually kept my call cool in a situation that's not Mm. You wouldn't. I mean, I caught someone years and years and years ago. I'm going back years ago in bed with in bed with somebody else, mm. and I was like super young, you know, in my early twenties. And um, seeing that, my first thought, honestly, was not what it should have been. Like it, I was just like, I thought it looked weird. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. It was like that looks weird, and there was a reason for it, but I won't go into it. Before I got mad. Yeah. I didn't get, do you know what I mean? So yeah. that was one thing. But then afterwards, the reaction was just ridiculous. Mm. You know, um, totally over the top. <laughs> you know, yeah. really, you know, is that something as well? Like if yeah. we're looking back at a diagnosis on an adult, because it is hard because you don't have the childhood, but that sort of dysregulation where it's like you can 
not react to what would be I'm going to do the inverted commas yeah. as well um, normal mm. but then afterwards mm. something else happens which is mm. trivial compared to what you'd actually just seen and that's when you flip your lid if you like yeah, yeah. Uh, does that make sense yeah I think so so um, I guess the thing that's I don't, I don't and, it, and what's I guess what's a normal reaction right I suppose comes yeah up, mm-hmm. um, and I imagine like if anyone would have said to you at the time, Claire, you're, com- you're overreacting about this. Like, why are you so upset? Why are you so emotional? Yeah. Would, would that, that would have felt probably pretty invalidating. That's right? true. Yeah. I think that's just what I thought afterwards. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you act. That was, like, super embarrassing. <laughs> why did you do that? Yeah. But, like, why didn't you do that in the moment when it probably yeah. wouldn't have looked as bad if you'd yeah. have acted like that? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We probably, well, you probably were in a bit of, shock that's true do you reckon yeah i threw a lilo yeah. at them <laughs> <laughs> now it's a funny story yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. but in the moment <laughs> yeah yeah in the moment. when i think about the fact that i just threw a lilo at them it's hilarious yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah yeah i think i said something along the lines of have the lilo of love <laughs> <laughs> like really cheesy <laughs> And like, <laughs> it's like the best your mind could come up with at the time. Yeah. Like, oh, it was like a double lilo. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, like going, you know, to the intensity of your emotional mm-hmm. reaction. Have you, are you familiar with that? Um, the term rejection sensitive dysphoria? No. Yeah. So rejection sensitive dysphoria, there's, and there's some, look, this is a term that comes up a lot around ADHD. Yeah. It's not a symptom um, as such, and it's definitely not in the criteria, in the diagnostic criteria. But yep. it's something that a lot of people seem to relate to. Okay. I don't know if I like super duper agree with with it as in being just related to yep. to ADHD. I think it's probably a lot of things, but essentially, it's the, the idea that we are hypersensitive to any real or perceived rejection or betrayal or or disapproval, criticism. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be in relationships, um, being, feeling rejected or betrayed, but might, might also, or even if we just think that there might be some rejection or betrayal. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, could be like in a work context or environment or, you know, Oh, there's there's sort of a whole bunch of ways that this can show up, but it's essentially like this uh, this really intense emotional yeah. um, reaction that happens mm-hmm. um, more so as compared to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Yeah. Again, it's come out of left field a little bit, but what would you say to anybody who says to you when you're doing these diagnoses? Because mm. it is a difficult thing to do because obviously we're human and we share a lot of these types of um, traits. And so my question is, um, if somebody said to you something along the lines of, but that's just personality, what's Mm. the difference between somebody having all of these traits? Because let's be fair, somebody could have all of these traits, not necessarily have ADHD, right? Mm. So they could have all of the symptoms. Um, It could be, like we've said in the last episode, it's combined in with stress. Mm. Um, And then somebody says to you, but I just think that it is anybody who has a personality seems to be suggested that they have ADHD what does that how does that sit with you is probably my question more okay I'm curious what how you think it sits with you <laughs> <laughs> you're throwing it back at me yeah, yeah. um 
I don't know, actually. I think maybe that you, there might be something more internally about it. Like if it's mm. bothering somebody um, and they're starting to feel um, uneasy about themselves, then mm. it m- is a problem probably neuro- in, a, in a neurodivergent way mm. rather than somebody who's just really comfortable in their skin mm-hmm. about being all of these symptoms and yeah. finding it quite... Um, normal, and I'll tell you for why with that because I have always been quite comfortable about who I am, mm. and it wasn't until my son's diagnosis, uh, like of of ADHD, mm-hmm. that I started to look at all the symptoms and then question whether or not it was something that I had. But I'm also struggling, and this is just being raw and honest. Mm. I struggle with the idea that I've gotten through life and I've had like this is part of my personality mm-hmm. and also what I do with the diagnosis so mm. that's that's my take on it I'm still yeah. going to throw it back to yeah. you <laughs> so what I would say what I would say to that is what I would say to that is that it's, there's probably like this resistance like in our conversations mm. like on this podcast on the last episode yeah and even like outside of those boundaries yes. yeah the conversations that we've had and where you've talked about how much you relate to so many, you yeah. know, if if not maybe all, <laughs> many of the the symptoms or the characteristics, right? Yeah. But there's still um, something internally that that I would say that it's probably this prob that is probably um, influenced by the stigma around it, right? Yeah. Because. ADHD has had such a negative rap. It's true. Such a negative mm. rap. Um, and so, like, you're very comfortable with how you are as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess so your question was about, like, but all of these things can just be part of... Makeup. Like, that can just be someone's personality. Yeah. I agree. But I also agree if we look at, if we sort of, like, shuffle that around a bit and look yeah. at it from the context of of through a lens of, of understanding someone as being neurodivergent so a lot of the work that I do with therapy clients yeah. is around um, essentially like embracing this new identity and sense of self because mm-hmm. the vast majority of people who seek a diagnosis as an adult have had quite adverse experiences um, and um and don't fully accept themselves and don't feel like they fit and don't feel like they belong and they right. feel like a failure and they've let people down and they're a disappointment and they mm-hmm. could have done all these things but they could never follow through or get anything finished. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so yeah. it leads to this like not non-acceptance of self and and like I don't like myself as I am and I don't like my person, you know, yeah. my personality traits or whatever. But if we can understand like... Well, actually, lots of these things about you as a personnel, uh, as your personality, and yeah. your, there's also all these strengths. You know, like yeah. I'm extroverted. I'm so fun to be around. I love to be spontaneous. I'm super creative. I've got mm. great ideas. I can think outside the box. Um, I'd love to find solutions to problems. All of those things are yeah. ADHD traits. That is so interesting. And also as well, as you was talking, I was just thinking about like all of them things that are relevant of feeling, you know, either one way or the other. You either feel very, very comfortable or very uncomfortable, one mm. or the other. But then there's the crash, isn't there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
mm-hmm. like the um, energy crash, if you like, or mm-hmm. wherever, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So that that's the other thing, I suppose, that yeah. potentially we're not come. good at regulating our energy. Yeah, right. So we kind of like we can there's um, we can feel quite energized at times and yeah. very like motivated and driven and like I'm going to do all the things, but we kind of like essentially like spend the whole budget, the whole energy yeah. budget. Um, we've not taken into account. All the other things that we might need energy yeah. for, like doing True. the school run, yes. the, doing the laundry, grocery shopping, catching up with friends, yeah. even positive things in our life take energy yeah. um, from, from us. So we, we need to true. use energy for some things are energy giving, some are energy taking, yeah. like we're not good at balancing that out. So we can kind of like at least like this boom and bust cycle. That's um, true. Energetically, yeah. And also as well, I suppose it depends on the individual because I'll give you an example here, which, um, you know, I go to a sister circle mm-hmm. um, and I absolutely love it. Like, it fills my cup. Mm. It gives me a lot of energy. It's a way that I, um, you know, I like to be in social interaction. That will fill my cup um, and actually fuel me. Whereas if you think about someone like my husband, I know I call him my husband, and all the listeners know that we're engaged. And um, anyway, when I think about him, putting him in that environment of mm. being in a social interaction with lots of people, mm. he will do it, but it's draining for him. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't fill his cup. It actually, if anything, probably empties it. And then yeah. he needs to have that solitude, if you like, to be able to, to refuel. Yeah. Whereas the solitude for me isn't always refueling. Mm. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it, how the mind works and like that? And we all have different needs. Yeah. yeah. And so. even somebody like my partner could potentially have ADHD, mm. even though he's very quiet, because yeah. it's an internal. And that's yes. something that um, would be different to diagnose, presumably, Absolutely. as opposed to an external. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also, like, super aware that you asked me a question that I have not even touched on answering yet. <laughs> We've diverted. It's, it's a really big question um, also, which yeah. is about um, the diagnostic process, yeah. right? And so what, I'm, what I want to say, um, so for, um, especially for adults, there's mm-hmm. sort of different pathways to being diagnosed. And tools. And tools, yeah. So... Um, and you can have quite a varied experience depending on which pathway you go down. Um, so you can be, and I think probably the most common way and the way that seems to make a lot of sense to a lot of people is to, to get a referral from your GP directly to a psychiatrist, yep. right? The reason that that makes a lot of sense um, is psychiatrists can diagnose ADHD and they also can prescribe medication um, to, to help with managing um the 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 functioning in the areas of difficulty right so um and i will say regardless of whether um either yourself or listeners whoever are um for or against medication medication is is the the first line of of effective treatment for adhd right yeah and it's effective um in around 80 percent of cases so in, in around 80 percent of people with adhd who trial um essentially like a stimulant medication um it's effective 80 percent of the time now that is a phenomenal yeah um f- rate of efficacy when you think about how freely um for example like antidepressants are yeah. prescribed mm-hmm. um to treat depression 
antidepressants have around about a 50% efficacy. So yeah. they're only effective about 50% of the time or in 50% of people, whereas yeah. 80% is so high. Is, is really it is high. high. Yeah. So it's, it's also not the only way. Of um, course. And manage. I know that because yeah. I'm in that journey. Yeah. 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 So that's why it makes a lot of sense for people to go directly to a psychiatrist. You're, you're likely to have just quite some variation. In, mm-hmm. in terms of how psychiatrists approach, approach their diagnosis. Yep. Um, or you can go to a psychologist um, who – and the, the thing is, like, no matter who it is, psychiatrist, psychologist, whoever, it's somebody that has um, training and experience in, in conducting this sort of assessment. That's right. right. Um, now – there's sort of some variation in in the diagnostic process now like with a with a psychiatrist you could for example um have a process that feels not very thorough okay that's so, interesting yeah. yeah okay and and it's not to criticize or to say that's an invalid no. diagnosis um, the difference, so for example, what that might look like is you might do a little screener and that's it, it's a screening questionnaire, it's a short questionnaire. I was about to say it's a taller questionnaire, that's, yeah, yeah that's, okay. That's not diagnostic, right? right. That, so diagnosis should encompass, uh, assessment and diagnosis should encompass, should be, um, should encompass, encompass sorry, um, information from a variety of sources. Right, okay. Yeah, so like a multi-method assessment. Yep. So, but for example, I know someone who went to see a psychiatrist, um, and this is a, also, she's a, in the same line of work as me. Mm-hmm. She went to see a psychiatrist. It was sort of essentially a 30, 40 minute Assessment. chat. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very structured. It was like, tell me, why do you think you have ADHD? Yeah. And this person sort of talked for, for 30, 40 minutes. At the end of the session, the psychiatrist said, yeah, yeah, you sound so- like you, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this woman, very educated, very intelligent, she's a clinical psychologist, years of experience, had a lot of difficulty after that accepting yeah. that that was valid, right? I understand that, yeah. yeah. I think, um, and so there's, there's guidelines that have been brought out last year by ADPA, and I'm going to refer because I yeah, always please forget do. what the... Um, yeah. Um, the, it, so they're the Australian Evidence-Based Clinical Practice Guidelines for, yep. for ADHD. Okay, You can perfect. find them online. They're, it's like a PDF document or you can order the hard copy. And it tells you from like early um, identification all the way through to like assessment, um, diagnosis, intervention, treatment, all of, all of the best practice clinical guidelines at the moment. So it tells you what should be included in an assessment yeah. in, is – a variety of methods so there's there should be a structured clinical interview so before going get your diagnosis this is something that is as a tip is, to look at yes, yes. exactly so amazing if, if you're look if you're someone who's looking to um seek it seek an assessment for children as well would you suggest the same route to look at this yeah. um pdf yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's very informative. It's Amazing. broken down into different sections. That's so good. Yeah, and there's also like summaries, so yeah. you don't you don't have to look at the whole document. It might be a little overwhelming. Yeah, it goes into how they researched everything, how they came up with the guidelines yeah. um, and the recommendations. So if you just wanted to look at the summaries for each section, like yeah. okay, so the diagnostic summary, what does that involve? What are the recommendations? Yeah, and it tells you so. 
for example, it suggests um, including a um, structured like clinical interview, diagnostic interview, mm-hmm. so conversation with the, the provider, the professional that's doing your assessment, as well as um, uh, like self-report questionnaires. Yeah. So again, yes, it's self-reported. So you're ticking yes, no, maybe to, yes. to each of these questions. However, they're valid methods of assessment. Yeah. There's, the thing is, there's no one test. There's not a test that can tell us, yes, you do or no, you don't, right? Yeah. Um, and you can get a lot of these online tests, you know, mm. um, that are very tempting because obviously we all know that our phones will turn around and be like, ooh, she's talking about ADHD. Yeah. Let me put all these videos up to make her think yeah. about it more. Ooh, he needs to look at this yeah. video. And, and then it will be like, next thing you know, you've got a like quiz that you can do. And then the quiz is asking you for $50 so you can mm. get the results. Mm. You know, it's, it, these sorts of things. Should we be wary of them? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I would say, um, I would I would always be questioning the the ethics yes. of um, links and ads like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that like for psychologists, we're very very regulated. We're we're a regulated health professional, right? Um, health profession, and we have there's specific rules around what we can and can't advertise, how we can and can't advertise. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're clicking on a link that says, "Here you go, send some money," and you get a diagnosis, it's it's probably not valid. It's probably mm-hmm. not done. At, and you know, may, maybe there's exceptions. I don't know. Oh, but and to also, me, I'd yeah, be really mm-hmm. questioning that. I agree. Questioning the validity because also it's that kind of assessment um, or that assessment, that kind of questionnaire yeah. or that kind of process that you're describing would be just looking at ADHD. Not, yeah, exactly. And not looking at maybe things that can come with it such other as ODD yeah. or, um, you know, all sorts of other mental yeah. illness even. Yeah, you other, know. other issues that overlap that mm-hmm. are often misdiagnosed. So people with ADHD, with ADHD often have already been misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, with anxiety or a mood disorder or, yeah. you know, um, bipolar disorder or okay. whatever. Um, and actually what, what's going on underlying that yeah. is actually there's ADHD. Okay. Yeah. So there's lots of things that can look like ADHD or have similar symptoms yeah. and, and characteristics to ADHD, um, but they also can overlap and, and, and be comorbid, so both occurring at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Yeah. And so another question for you along the, the, the diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, time frame. How mm-hmm. long are we looking? Oh, when you start the process of saying, okay, I think I might need to get myself diagnosed. What mm-hmm. I do with that information can come later. But I want to know. I want to mm-hmm. know either way. Um, so obviously, like you've said, the first process would be to go to either a psychiatrist or um, someone a like yourself, yeah. psychologist yeah. like yourself. Um and then talk me through that. So I'm in your office and then you do your tools. Mm-hmm. Are you using a survey alongside yeah. um, talks so, and experiences? Because there's no machine that can go, yeah. yes, there yeah. you go. Your da-da-da-da-da, your frontal lobe or doesn't pinpoint it. Mm. Um, and then is that done in a day? Is that done in an hour? Is that done over a course of... Look, everybody's um, the way that they structure their assessment process mm-hmm. will vary. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And 
and will vary either like based on their what that that how that person in their business works and mm-hmm. what what they need how they need it just need it to be structured or you know that they're p- part of a different health service or or practice that has particular yeah. you know has to follow this process so what it, it all it should all be in the um like the information that you're given yeah when you first contact them and you, with your inquiry right and it, it, People need to to understand what they're consenting to, what the yes. process is that they're that That's they're true. going through. So, for example, like part of my informed consent process is I go, you don't have to be assessed by a psychologist. You can also these are the different pathways to to be um, yeah. assessed and diagnosed. It may make more sense for you to go straight to a psychiatrist. Yeah. Some people prefer to come to a psychologist because of these reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, part of what um, part of my service delivery and I would suspect um, the vast majority of psychologists who do this sort of assessment would be the provision of a really detailed report. So you get a document that outlines all the ways or all the methods that were used to assess you. Um, So we did this um, questionnaire and we did this test and you answered um, these questions. I spoke to your mum or you showed me school reports from when you were younger to yeah. sort of show that complementary information um, to, to back up, you know, that yes, there were the symptoms present when you were y- younger between the ages of five and 12. Um, and this is what it showed. Um, these are the other things that I've considered. Yeah. Right. So if someone's presenting to me with high levels of anxiety or they describe to me that they've had trauma in their, you know, either as a child or mm-hmm. later in their life. I'm looking at those things too and I'm looking at the pattern of symptoms, mm-hmm. characteristics. Were they present before this happened? Yeah. Did they only appear after these things happened? Yeah. So, you know, is it a, an innate born born with neurodevelopmental yeah. difference or is it these difficulties, things that have come up after you've experienced something? It's like a, more of an environmental yeah. than, than a something that's like genetic if you're yeah. born with regardless yeah. of whether or not it's genetic yeah. it's so interesting just to clarify before we wrap up um on on the diagnosis and it's been so informative i am like so excited that this content's getting out there because mm. i haven't really heard it i listen to a lot of podcasts but i feel it's really relatable and um for our listeners whoever's going through it you know that, that there's some really good information in both of mm. both part one and part two but um in terms of psych psychologist from my understanding of what you're saying it is quite regulated like there are guidelines that you have to go through as opposed to other areas and avenues that are Mm. not necessarily quite as regulated yeah am I right in thinking that absolutely and and so what I would say to, to anybody I mean there's so much information out there and I know you know we've had conversation um, yeah. I can't remember if we were recording before or not but we were talking about how um, people are self-identifying from yeah. like lots of TikToks or Instagram yeah. reels or whatever yeah what I would say like self-identification or self like diagnosis yeah. for one of a better word can be valid yes. it's not necessarily invalid you just don't have a formal diagnosis yeah right what what I'm saying is that you can so I think I mentioned, I think this is in the first episode yeah. when I said neurodivergence um, essentially just means like different brain wiring, yeah. brain differences. Yeah. Our brains just work in a different way. 
you can relate to neurodivergent, like yeah. being neurodivergent, yeah, but not meet the diagnostic threshold. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. So you might be like, sense. I relate much more to this, but I don't, you know, it doesn't cause me any dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like trundling along quite well in my life with, yeah. without too much difficulty. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily meet all of the diagnostic criteria. Yeah but may still be more that your brain is more geared towards this type of wiring. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and I like that as well, mm. that you've said that, because it's a really good way to, to wrap it up. Because what it really, as well, what you might be saying, or what I think you're saying is that mm. if you feel like you want a diagnosis, get mm. one. If you feel comfortable in your own skin, but you can relate to all of the... Totally. Um, yeah, relate to everything that is what people who have ADHD mm. go through, but you're quite happy to live mm. with it because... There's no need for you to have that diagnosis because yeah. really with that, it can lead to medication um, or it can lead to tools, which we'll talk about when you come back. Because, and by the way, you are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll have an, another conversation. Yeah. And, and when we do that episode, more around the tools once you've got the diagnosis, mm. more mm-hmm. around the options of whether it's medication versus more of a holistic approach. Yeah. So these will be the, the topics that we'll cover on the next yeah. episodes. But I have honestly had so much fun um talking to you on this podcast in between it all the phone calls that we've had before yeah and um i'm really looking forward to like working with you much more on other topics and exciting things that we've got coming up and i've mentioned that i've got tidal minds which is a new platform um on on the um on the horizon which yeah. is really exciting yeah. um and so yeah having you a guest on that and again back for coffee with kathy and claire will be so exciting yeah it will be exciting i'm really really looking forward to it. we've just got like such a good you've got such a good um like just a, a great energy about oh you. Good thank vibe, you yeah. you too yeah. you I, too before we do wrap up what i guess yeah. i want to um make really clear is i've talked about the the process for diagnosis and yes. stuff that's that's specific to adults yes right children have a different process different like requirements different sort of pathways um that are more nuanced and there's lots of reasons for that um there is information in the adpa guidelines i'll give you the link to that perfect we can put put that on there yeah Mm -hmm. um but happy to answer questions about that you know maybe next time as well Mm. Exactly. And I'm, I was going to say to all of our listeners as well, reach out with any questions that you've got um, in, in relation to ADHD, in particular the diagnosis for adults. And if anybody's thinking about it, um, you know, please do get in touch. We can put some information out there for you to directly get in touch with April. Um, and on top of that, any questions that you might have because you're coming back so any questions and this is an interactive podcast in particular when we go on to tidal minds it will be even more so Mm. um so yeah i would be really urging listeners to to contact april or myself via any of the the socials and um if you can just like and subscribe uh, that will also be amazing and i just want to again thank you so much for coming on oh, it's been just you. so much fun thanks for having me it's been um something i've been looking forward to in my calendar for ages yeah so, me too yeah, so nice thank you so much and we will so look forward to seeing you next time and to everybody out there thank you for listening bye Thank you for listening, guys. You can find us on all the socials, including Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search for Coffee with Kathy and Claire and make sure that you follow and subscribe. Love you all. Bye. Bye.